Hi, Ron here and welcome. We love that you've come to join us here and listen to a lot of our episodes. Please help us continue with this by supporting us through either joining the Barack Center at thebarackcenter.com or joining us at the Fringe Church at thefringechurch.com and sharing and donating through those sources. And once again, thank you for joining us today. Good morning, Fringe World and Beyond. Sadly, I was meant to go speak at Alex Hill's Redlands Church Christ tomorrow morning, uh, but that's been cancelled. They've got COVID really badly, uh, is spreading through their church, so thought it would be wise that I stay away from one, my own health, but also to stop spreading it. We want to leave it south of the border, don't we? We don't want to bring it over here to um, to Fringe and get it going through there. So uh, we feel for you guys. We really do. And let's pray for them. You know, let's do that right now. Lord, just bring healing and comfort to, to our brothers and sisters over the south side there who are struggling, who are coming down with COVID. Put a stop to the spread of that, please, Lord, and bring healing. Let your blood just pour out over all the church there and bring your healing presence to them lord thank you lord and um, let this word encourage them as well as the fringe guys and whoever reaches it as always um allow people and encourage people to dive into the word themselves don't just take my word for it to to challenge me to explore the scriptures to to bring a new revitalization and a hunger and thirst for you lord in their lives we give this time to you lord we give this message to you and this video to you to go out there and take it to wherever it needs to be going uh, let your word spread thank you Thank you for this opportunity, and let us be good stewards. Thank you, Lord. Amen. All right, so I had a message which I was going to do tomorrow, which was, um, I think, really relevant and good, and, and, and it's kind of burning inside me, and I want to get it out. So instead of waiting till, I think, January, when, I, when I'm meant to go back, um, I'm going to do it now online, just rough and ready. But let's get it out there and let's see what you guys think. As always, as I said, you know, don't take my word for it, but let this be a catalyst for conversation and for change and for things like that. So what I want to talk about, uh, don't turn everything off when I say this word, I want to talk about sin. Ah, uh, you still with me? Good. <laughs> but um, particularly a couple of sins which are a little bit sneaky, I guess. They're ones which people don't talk about a lot. They're ones which are uh, often overlooked or concealed easily. Um, ones which don't draw attention. And um, ones which are very dangerous and very damaging. I want to talk about shame and guilt. Shame and guilt. Sorry, let me just grab, ah, bring up my computer because I've got a bit of scripture up there I can read every now and then. So, shame and guilt, what they do, and what I want to talk to you about, is the damage they have in our lives, what they can do, and how we can, can get around it. Um, so, one of the things is, is they put up, like, these invisible walls, you know, shame and guilt are, are in our life, and they can create a prison and keep us locked into to who we are and who we have been, instead of being the fullness of what Christ has called us to be. And they can be very sneaky, and we can easily overlook what's going on. So 
Let's dive into this and let's have a chat about shame and guilt. So many of us live with it, but not many of us talk about it. Now, in prison, I spend one day a week in prison, for those who don't know, and, and this is a big thing in there. It's a big thing which is holding people back. I see I also had a, a wonderful opportunity with this, this incredible couple who are doing amazing things. I got to sit down with yesterday on Friday. Um, I won't call them out, but uh, absolutely beautiful. And myself and Craig had the opportunity to go around and sit there. And this was part of the topic which came up. So So for me, this was like, you're on point, you need to talk about this, and this needs to get out there. So so no COVID, no no problems are going to get in the way, let's do it this way. And God, use it and send it wherever you need to send it. And hopefully it helps us out. But let's not call, you know, uh, beat around the bush and try and soften the blows of this bit. But sin and guilt, uh, sin and guilt, bleh. Shame and guilt are sins, right? They're sins which get in the way. They're these walls which stop, prevent us from being who we're meant to be. And the crazy thing is, is society spends money like crazy to try and uh, get rid of these walls, to try and break them down. You know, we, we have all sorts of therapies and weight loss programs and all sorts of stuff, which is designed to, to try and tear down these walls, but they will never work the way they're meant to because they're not designed for that. You know, weight loss is a beautiful one. It's a, it's a billion upon billion dollar industry around the globe is people... Uh, weight loss, you know, is striving people to look like these airbrush models on magazines or whatever. What a crock, you know. We, we, we spend all this money doing this stuff to try and not feel the shame and guilt, to, to not, because we don't look like this, this thing which is put up in front of us, which will never be obtained, and no one actually ever looks like that. That's a digital illusion of what a person is. But we spend a fortune... And I guess in that pursuit, what we actually say to people who are a bit overweight or whatever is, you're not good enough, you know? You need to be thinner and better. And, and, and what we're really saying to people is, is horrible and cruel. Like, I'm serious here. Like, because someone's larger, does that make that, that them any less valuable or whatever? I know health's important and, and, and I'm one who needs to lose weight and, and needs to look after my health better, but I get this, but we put shame on people and we try and do that. Another one is uh, morality and wealth. We tend to, to wrap up together and this does a lot of damage out there. You go spend some time in prison, you'll soon learn about this, is that we equivalent uh, low socioeconomics with low morality and high socioeconomics with high morality. Well, this is absolute rubbish. You know, we, we use words like um, the, the low socioeconomic area or something. We'll say that's the at-risk area. Be careful going into there, this, that, and the other. What a crock. Now, let me tell you that, um, use drugs as an example. Uh, guys up north particularly, but um, if you've got brown skin or, or or you got caught with a 10 or $15 worth of weed in you, you quite often you'll be ending up going to prison. But 
if you go to the wealthy schools and what's going on there, they're not messing around with a little bit of weed. They're, they're, they're more affluent. They've got more money. They're on to the harder drugs. They're onto the more dangerous stuff, the worse things. But yet we don't look at that. We, we, we pick on, you know, the low socioeconomic area instead of looking at the wealth. You look at white collar crime opposed to, you know, oh, I say someone who's shoplifting. Uh, if they're stealing something, you know, some tins of food or whatever, because they're starving and they're living on the street and no one will help them, that that's very different to someone who's just uh, shoplifting because uh, they want the thrill or the fun of it. You know, they're, they're two different things. We, we've got to stop putting morality and socioeconomics together. White-collar crime destroys families, destroys thousands of life, and our government will come in and say, you know, they're too big to fail, let's bail them out. Um, give them all billions of dollars to keep their business going after they've just done corrupt, illegal, horrible things and destroyed thousands of people's lives. But yet we wash that under the carpet. But we find one young guy with with ten dollars of weed in his pocket. Let's let's lock him up. Let's put him into prison. Where, where where's the justice? You know this is just absolutely insane. Sorry, I'm getting up on my soapbox. I've got to stop. <laughs> but um, you know we tend to put a lot of shame around wealth. If you're low socioeconomic, we tend to put shame on that as well. Shame is. A horrible sneaky little thing which just gets in there um, and we can spend years of our lives trying to solve it we bang up against those invisible walls we'll leave ourselves bloody sore and broken trying to destroy these things what's worse is that a lot of us get comfortable there and make a home up against those walls of shame and guilt. We'll, we'll get comfortable in our shame and guilt and say, this is us, this is me, this is where I belong, and make a home there. But the problem is, all these programs, all these things which are out there, which we spend money on like crazy, or even us doing it on our own, banging against that wall, is never going to work because it was we were never designed to be able to destroy those walls. Christ is. Jesus was the one who is designed to destroy those walls. You know, shame is such a twisted thing which we do not talk about in church enough. Shame says to you, you are what you have done. You are unworthy, you are inadequate, and you will never be enough. Shame will lead to withdrawal and isolation. It will often lead to addiction problems. Um, and and I'm, I'm a firm believer that, that shame and guilt are two of the, the leading causes of what's creating the domestic violence culture and what we have today. And, and how, you know, one of the other things is shame is like addictive in a way you you'll if you've been shamed in your past it's quite often that you will become a shamer 
you know, a good way to judge this is at work or in life. When someone around you fails at what they're doing, do you lift them up or do you pile on? Do you know, um, when someone's grown up in a life where it's like, I knew you couldn't do that. I knew you'd never create that. I don't know why you tried. I knew you would fail. Stop it. This kind of words, this kind of reaction. When you've been told that, you'll often find yourself doing it in the future. Shame is this sneaky little thing which gets inside of us and it will stay there and it will surface in future relationships and future life and future job prospects. You know, we, we may not do it to the boss, of course not, but um, to the guys working with us or under us, how do you treat them? That's a good way to, to judge whether you're a shamer or not. Do you build people up or pile on? And guilt is its... Um, Sneaky little brother, you know, guilt is um, self-hatred and low self-esteem. Um, it says things like, you deserve to feel this way. You are not worthy of anything. You deserve everything that goes wrong in your life. Now, side note, asterisk, mental health is different, you know. There is people who have chemical imbalances in their brains and things with mental health. I'm not talking about that. For that, Christ has done some wonderful things. He created doctors and medication, and I'm a firm believer in them. So if you do have um, chemical imbalances in your brain or PTSD or, or whatever it is, I'm not beating you up. Uh, more power to you, brother or sister. Let's support you every way we can and get you the help that you need. We are a big believer in mental health um, and, and want to help everyone. But back to it. We get weak when we battle against these things. And we give up and we get comfortable. You know, I think that was a lot of my story was I hit rock bottom and, and, and um, I was struggling and, and I actually had a suicide attempt. And with that, what happened was I swear I heard God's voice the clearest where he said about time. Get out of your own way. You were never designed to do this stuff, you know. Stop it. Start believing in me. Jesus breaks down these walls. We were never designed to do it. Jesus will break down shame and guilt and many more things. But the way he does it, he does it from the inside out. Now, let's look at Romans 8, 1 and 2 for a moment. It says, Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of sin, of life, has set me free from the law of sin and death. Now, let's get that again. Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Two things I want to look at here. What does condemnation mean? Now, I, I think of it this way. Have you seen an old building or something which is being condemned? Sometimes there's some 
beautiful old buildings and stuff which get condemned so what happens is you know this building over time gets neglected people aren't getting the right services or the right things in to be able to maintain it look after it and slowly 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 it gets worse and worse and worse until it gets too dangerous to live in until the problems get too far gone and the government or someone will come along and say this is condemned people aren't allowed to go in there because it's too dangerous and it's too far gone you know Jesus, God, will never, never, never put one of those signs on you and your life saying, condemned. You are too far gone. We're beyond help. Never will he condemn you for those who are in Christ Jesus. Which brings us to the next step. What does it mean to be in Christ Jesus? So, fringe guys, I apologize for this. You've probably seen it a dozen times. But what does it mean to be in Christ Jesus? Bear with me. So... Let's say this book is Christ Jesus. This piece of paper is you. If the piece of paper goes into the book and is bound into it, created into it, stitched into it, and all part of it, if this book then, with you, this piece of paper made into it, gets sent to um, Hong Kong, where are you? You're in Hong Kong. You're in here. You've been sent there. If we send this book to Cairns, where are you? You're in this book, stitched in, all part of it. You're in Cairns. This book is Christ. When Christ goes to the cross, where are you? On the cross. When Christ goes to heaven, where are you? Heaven. Wherever Christ goes, you're there. Because you are in Christ. This is what it means to be in Christ, in Christos, you know, in Christ, you're no longer yourself, you're a new creation inside of Christ. When people look at you, they, they, they see Christ, not you. You know, we do that analogy of, of um, at Fringe again, where we talk about to people, new people, about what it's like when, when you die, what actually happens is one of the common questions. And, and we do that where we say, you know, well, if you're in Christ, you come up to the judgment seat, and when God looks at you, he doesn't see you, he sees Christ, because you're in Christ. So, there is no condemnation, no judgment which is poured across you, and you can move on. Where, if it's just you, then... You gotta face your own merits. You don't have you're not in Christ and you do not accept Christ. Well then you gotta do it on your own merits and good luck to you, I'm sorry. But that's what it means. To be condemned, Christ will never do that. God will never do that to someone who is in Christ, in Christos. We don't have to live there anymore. We make a home in shame and guilt up against these things we make this home and we're quite happy to sit there we will get into addiction we will spend money like crazy we'll do all these things but we get comfortable sitting there against these walls instead of believing what christ has done for us jesus is all you need he will meet all your needs he will help you destroy all these sins and these walls and these things in your life which are stopping you from being like what Christ, what God designed you to be. 
he lived a life without sin. So he could say, Abba Father, Daddy, I will pay for them. What does it mean? What does it truly mean to be in Christ? And can you accept that into your heart, into your being, and into yourself? Now let's have a look at 2 Corinthians 5, 20 and 21. So, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might come, we might become the righteousness of God. We are therefore Christ ambassadors. What does that mean to be an ambassador of Christ? Now I like to think of it this way. If you think of a foreign country, let's let's pick on someone else. Let's say Italy. Um, Italy might have uh, a a property in Australia, which is their embassy. And if you walk into their embassy, you are no longer in Australia, but you're in Italy. That bit of land, which is the embassy sits on, is considered part of Italy, not part of Australia. Although it's geographically here, it's considered part of Italy. So the same thing is with Christ. If you are in Christ and you believe this, wherever you walk, you are standing on the embassy of Christ. You are an ambassador for Christ. You are a representation of Christ. Wherever you go, you're standing and should be bringing a little bit of heaven because that's what you're standing on. An ambassador is a representative. Now, I got to challenge people, and I got to, I got to do this in a way um, I can't not. It's just me. Sorry, but now I'm a friends with a lot of people on Facebook and stuff, and 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 I see what you guys post and what you do. My question to you at the moment, and in this time. Is, are you an better ambassador for a political system than you are of Christ? Are you a better ambassador for a car than you are of Christ? Now, I worry about people who never talk about Christ, you know, who never talk about God. How are you going at being an ambassador for Christ? You know, God does not need your abilities. God does not need your abilities. Let's say that again. What he needs is your availability. He needs you to be able to turn up. He needs you to be able to accept him. He needs you in your workplace, in your home life, in wherever you are, to be an ambassador for him. How are you going with that? When you look at your your media and, and where you spend time on. Do you spend more time talking about politics than you do Christ? A lot of people do. And what we're doing with that is we're, we're farming out. We're, we're giving 
the job of ours and the job of the church to the government. We're looking at the government to solve the world's problems, which they were never designed to do. We are. Christ is. His ambassadors are meant to be making the difference, but yet we try and sell it off and give it to... I don't know if you've ever noticed, but it doesn't matter which party is in office. It doesn't really change things. The economy might fluctuate a little bit or whatever, but all they ever do is destroy what the person did before them and try and make a big note for themselves. It's never going to work, never will, because we're putting on them the idea that we're selling them the work of Christ for them to do instead of us. The church is meant to step up. The church is meant to be an ambassador for Christ. We're meant to be the ones who are on the front line saying, no, this stops now, this is wrong, or this is right, to help the poor, to, to you know, the widows, the whatever. The, you know, it's our job, but yet we farm it off. And we, sorry, I'm getting on my soapbox, but, but um, um you know, we do this again and again and again. We are the ambassadors for Christ, not the government. Let's do our job. All we need to do is say yes to him, to be in Christ, in Christos. And then we can be ambassadors. Who have you pleaded to in the last couple of weeks? Who have you tried to talk to in the last couple of weeks? Who have you... Um, gone out into the community and spoken to about coming to the Lord, about coming to church, about making a difference, about them stepping towards Christ in their life. That's how you know if you're a good ambassador or not. The righteousness of God, if you believe it, it will change your life. It'll change what everything looks like. If you believe what the righteousness of God is in your life. Shame and guilt. We keep building these walls back up constantly. You know, God tears them down, but, but we just brick them back up again and again and again. God has removed it. Why do we keep imprisoning ourselves behind these things? You are redeemed. You are no longer a slave from your past. Now... Let's say we're on a bus, big bus, heading up the coast, going to, I don't know, somewhere for a weekend or something, and I'm driving the bus. If I had turned around and was looking back, talking to everyone in the bus, and looking backwards while we're tearing down the highway, what would everyone say? Would they be yelling at me? I hope you would. I hope you wouldn't just be going, oh, you know, he's a pastor, he's got it all together, he'll be right, he knows what he's doing. I hope not. A lot of us don't. <laughs> I hope you'd be yelling at me. What are you doing? Turn around. Look where you're going. But yet we don't. Why do we consist on looking backwards when we're heading forwards? The problem when we do that is we crash. And when we crash, it's not just ourselves which are getting hurt. When we crash, we're crashing into our family, into our friends, into our, our work, into all our relationships, and we're doing damage. It's not just ourselves when we hurt. So we need to stop looking back, unless we're looking back to the cross, but if we stop looking back and start looking to Christ where we're going, stop looking at yourself, stop looking at your shame and your guilt, stop doing these things and say, 
it'll never be enough. Stop being a spiritual narcissist. Stop trying to, to say, I can do it all myself. Get out of the way and put your eyes on Christ. Look at where you're going. Look at the one who can make a difference and tear down these walls. Stop trying to do it yourself. Stop being a spiritual narcissist and fix your eyes on Christ and move forward. Stop sitting there in this stuff. Stop rebuilding those walls of shame and guilt. They are gone. You don't need them anymore. Their history, they're behind you. Look forward to Christ. Now let's have a look at Galatians 4, uh, 4-7. When the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive the full rights of sons and daughters. Because you are sons and daughters, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. The spirit who calls out Abba Father, who calls out Daddy. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And since you are a son, God has also made you an heir. Wow, that's huge. Now let that resonate, and I hope this comes to sit in you and you believe it. What we're talking about is adoption here, and what it stands for, to become an heir. What happens is, so Christ doesn't go, right, I want some new new family. Let's have a look at the adoption papers. And then he pulls out his piece of paper and goes, uh, um, yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, no, you've, you've been a bit naughty in the past and, um, yeah, no, I don't know about that one. Next, let's pick up the next piece of paper. All right. Um, uh, uh, wow. Okay. You've been good studying. Yeah. Good at work. Yep. Yep. Oh, look at that. Yeah. You've got some skills. Yeah. All right. I'll take that one and move on to the next. Christ doesn't do that. He doesn't go through our adoption papers and go, mm, yeah, I want this one. I want that one. Oh, that one will be good. No, that one, that one. What Christ does is he goes to his daddy, to his Abba Father, to God himself, and he says, I want them all, and I am willing to pay for them all. Jesus says, I'm coming for them all. I will ransom for them, for their adoption into the kingdom. Let that settle. None of us are too far gone. None of us will face condemnation. And more than that, we are adopted into his kingdom. He wants us all. All we need to do is say yes. Micah 7, 18 and 19. I love this. Who is a God like you who pardons sins and forgives transgressions of the remnant? The remnant's us. Of his inheritance. You do not stay angry forever, but delight in showing mercy. You will again, notice that again, you will again have compassion on us. You will tread our sins 
underfoot. You will hurl our iniquities into the depths of the ocean. You will crush our sins underfoot and hurl our iniquities into the depths of the ocean. Wow. My question for you is, why do you keep going diving for it? Why do you keep going back into the bottom of that ocean, into the depths of that ocean, and bringing that stuff back up and say, hey, Christ, have you forgot this? Have you forgot what I've done? Have you really? It's that spiritual narcissism coming back up where you don't think the blood of Christ was enough to cover you for what you've done. You might look out there and say, yeah, it's good for everyone else. I can see grace working how God loves them. But for yourself, you can be a spiritual narcissist which slips in and says to yourself, God's love and grace wasn't enough to cover what I've done. Absolute rubbish. Get out of your own way and start believing this stuff. And when you do, your life will change. I can guarantee you that. Your life will change. Stop diving down deep and bringing that stuff back up. Stop building those walls. Let it go. Start looking to Christ Start looking to God. Look in the direction that you're going, not at the stuff you've done. Stop being narcissistic and start accepting the good news for your life today. I can tell you hundreds of stories of the people in prison and the people of fringe and the, the people who struggle with this stuff where they can accept it for everyone else but themselves. They think that guilt and shame locks them into that place where they refuse to let it go. But really at the depths of it, it's a narcissistic, a spiritual narcissism, which is slipping in, which is causing you to say God's blood, God's suffering, what God did, what Jesus did on the cross is not enough to cover me and what I've done. Get over it and look to the cross. Look where you're going not where you've been. Stop putting the walls back up. Remember, when Jesus forgives, he forgets. It takes great courage to believe what Christ says about you. There's a lot more I want to say, but I won't. We've been going for quite a while. This is big. This is big. And if you can really accept what God says you are, if you can really accept your identity in Christ, everything changes. If you can accept you're an ambassador for Christ, everything changes again. Spend a week if you can reinforcing these things into your mind and see what happens. You are a precious heir. You are worth the world. You are worth everything and Christ wants you. Remember that adoption thing of Christ going to God and saying, I want them all puppy. I want them all, daddy. I want them all and I will pay the cost. Find that courage to believe 
what God actually says about us. All right. Lord, again, we give this time to you. We give this message to you, Lord. Um, take this where it needs to go. Bless the people who hear it. Let it stir something inside us. Let it challenge us to find the courage to believe what you tell us, Lord. Let us be better representatives of you, Christ. Wherever we go, let's look to you. Lord, cover our brothers and sisters over in Alex Hills and on the south side who are struggling and, and having a breakout of COVID. Cover them in your blood, Christ, and, and just let them know you're there. Let your tender touch be felt on those over there. And send us out this week, Lord, everyone who hears this message, everyone around us, send us out with, under your power for your praise and glory to be better representatives of you and to make a difference, let's start bringing people back to the Lord. Let's start making a difference in the world instead of selling it off to politics or someone else to do the work that we should be doing as your representatives. Thank you, Lord. Bless this. Bless us. And let us be good stewards of our lives and everything you have given us. Amen. All right, guys. Love you all. Hope to see you soon. There's a lot in that message. Uh, please reach out if you've got any questions or anything. Um, if you want to talk it through, uh, you know, feel free. Again, uh, Redlands, not tomorrow morning because of COVID, but feel free to come to Fringe. We're still cracking on. So 3 p.m. we'll have our check-in and 5 o'clock we'll have our service at 40 Portwood Street at Redcliffe. You're more than welcome to come along. Um, we'd love to see you there. Just remember, 18 plus, no kids. Other than that, everyone's welcome. Um, yeah, pray for each other, love each other, and I love you all. Um, let's be good servants of Christ this week. Amen. Thank you for listening to another episode. And please... Don't forget to sign up to the thebarackcenter.com or thefringechurch.com and help support us so we can reach many more. Thank you again for joining us today. <laughs>